It's been a difficult week for many of us here this morning, and um, I, I want to say up right up right up front here that if you're a, a guest with us here this morning, the message that um, I'm about to share with you isn't typical. All right, I just want to give you that disclaimer right up front. It comes with that parental warning. Right, it's uh, this isn't going to be your normal sort of a message. It's intended for a a particular audience, and so it's a little bit different this morning. Um, I, I do know that several of us here, myself included, that we uh, come here today with uh, many questions and maybe a, a, a sense of confusion even. And uh, for all of us, there's, uh, there's maybe been some things happened this last week that have um, shaken you or uh, shocked you in some way. You know, life is often like that, isn't it? It comes with twists and turns and things that surprise us and shock us and those sorts of things. And you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, Scripture reminds us time and again that we're to make our requests known to God, that we're to cast all of our cares on Him because He cares for us, that we're to come to Him with our burdens And his promise is that he'll give us rest in that. But you know, I think the real challenge in that is what to do in those times when I have come to God and yet it seems like he's not listening or that somehow he's grown indifferent to my situation. I think it's one of the hardest things we face as Christians, those times when we really don't understand what's what's going on when we're surrounded in a way by more uh, questions than answers. And we cry out something like, God, if you would just explain all of this to me, if you just help me understand, if you just make your will known in this situation, God, if you just show me how all of this is going to work out. But I cry out to you, God, and it, it seems sometimes like you're not listening. How do, I, how do I get an answer? What do I do in those times when I keep asking and I cry out to you for rescue from this situation and yet day after day it seems like the heavens are silent? Uh, where are you in this, God? What are you trying to do? What's your plan in all this? This makes no sense to me. Now some of you, I, I, I know you're saying, you know, Jim... Uh, You you shouldn't question God like that. You just need to trust Him. I mean, it's not right to question God. It's not right to talk to God that way. You're just supposed to trust Him. You're just supposed to have faith. Well, I want you to get hold of a copy of God's Word. Again, this morning, not going to be any PowerPoint today. We're going to get this right out of the book. And uh, encourage you to follow along. I want to take you for a few minutes to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk this morning. Um, if you want to call it Habakkuk, uh, that's okay too. Uh, any word with uh, three K's in it, you can pronounce it however you want to pronounce it, all right? I call it Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk, whatever. Uh, it's one of those 12 minor prophets there at the end of the Old Testament. Here's directions to Habakkuk, okay? Take your Bible, open to the index, look to the word Habakkuk, find the page number, and go there. Uh, If you know where Nahum is, it's right next door, but uh, I'll leave that with you. Uh, Heading to the book of Habakkuk this morning. And um, 
I, I would dare say that this probably isn't the, the scripture that you wrote, read for devotions this morning. It's uh, often these minor prophets uh, uh, tend to be overlooked or ignored. They're sometimes a little bit difficult to understand, but uh, the message is so powerful in some of these books. And, uh, you know, as I studied this last week, I, I was reminded again about how relevant uh, God's word is to our lives. And, and I just found this passage so relevant uh, to, to life as we know it here today. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about the context. In order to get uh, the minor prophets, you just, you have to see, you have to picture the context. Um, first of all, for those here who may not know this, uh, the Old Testament isn't laid out in chronological order, okay? If you start at Genesis and you think you're going to read through and get a story, you're going to get really, really confused, because it's not chronological, it just doesn't follow through that way. And so these 12 little books at the end of the Old Testament, those authors are speaking into a particular time in Israel's history. They, they slot in in different places in the Old Testament. I think that's uh, important to recognize that. For Habakkuk, uh, his setting is like this. A number of years earlier, uh, there's been this split in the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. They've split into two. There's been a tribe that went north. They claimed the name. They call themselves Israel up there in the north. This other group split off, went south. They call themselves Judah. So two, two kind of groups, Israel in the north, uh, Judah in the south. Judah's down there. Uh, it's about 600 B.C. is about the time frame of all of this. And uh, actually, northern Israel at this point they kept wandering further and further away from God. I, I mean, there was more wickedness. They just, they wouldn't do what God wanted to do, them to do. Finally, God brings in the Assyrians and he, and he takes them out. The, the northern tribe is, is basically gone. And so Israelites, God's chosen people, are this group of people down in Judah, about 600 B.C. But here's what you really need to know in order to get Habakkuk. Um, wickedness uh, and evil are, are just everywhere even in Judah, even in, with God's chosen people. I mean, uh, you know, there's, a, there, there, there's casinos are everywhere. There's a strip joint on every corner. Uh, the bars are, are, are full and the churches are empty. I mean, that's, that's basically the situation. The, the, the Israelites have wandered away uh, from the heart of God. And Habakkuk, God's chosen spokesperson of the hour, is basically frustrated. He sits watching the evening news and it's like, God, where are you in this mess? What do you, why, why don't you do something here, God? And even when you do act, in all honesty, I, I really don't understand what you're doing. Friends, let me ask you, you ever been in that place? I think some of us are there this morning. It's like, God, I, I just don't quite understand what you're doing. I just don't quite get it. That's the place where Habakkuk is. And it finally gets to the point where he can't take it any longer. He can't keep this in. And God's chosen prophet, this is a godly man. And so I, I, I want you to see what this godly man does in that situation. Just picture these words as Habakkuk walked into church this morning and it's like he stands there in the very presence of God and he's wringing his hands and he's shaking his fists. And Habakkuk 1-2, it begins like this. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you violence, but, but, but you don't save? 
Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. And the wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. In other words, God, I, I don't understand what you're doing here. This just makes no sense to me. And I'm sad, and I'm hurt, and I'm disappointed, and I'm frustrated, and I'm, I, I, I'm confused, and I'm even angry, God. Where, where are you in all of this? We hear the words of Jesus himself from the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? questioning. You see, friends, I believe with all my heart that in taking our questions to God, that's actually an expression of faith rather than a lack of it. Because if I didn't really believe that God was there and that ultimately He cared, I wouldn't bother questioning Him, would I? You see, it's so important to realize here that even though Habakkuk questions what God is doing, Why God's allowing this to happen, even though he is filled with confusion, still he has faith to take those questions to God. Friends, I still want you to get that this morning. In a time of questioning, we need to take those things to God. The things that don't make sense to us. First and foremost, that's what we need to do. We need to take those things to the throne room of God in heaven. You see, even though Habakkuk had his questions, still he turned to God in faith. He didn't run away. He didn't back away. He didn't throw up his hands and say, forget you, God. No, he, he was frustrated, no doubt. He was probably, you know, concerned, but still he took his request to God. So let me ask you, what do you do when God doesn't act or respond the way that you think he should. I think it's one of the hardest things we, we walk through as believers. When God doesn't act or respond the way that we think he should. I came to Heise Hill a little over two years ago now, and one of the things that I've really struggled with, and I, I want to be clear about this, this is just one of several challenges, but it's the one that I want to talk about this morning. Um, one of the challenges for me has been putting messages together. Now, I know that maybe comes as a surprise to many of you, but, but, but honestly, I, I've found it one of the most difficult parts of, of, of pastoral ministry. And uh, part of my journey since coming here has been to meet regularly with with a coach, a person from the conference office by the name of John Cressman, and I've really grown to love and appreciate John, and we've journeyed through a number of things together, and he's been a great mentor to me, and I, I feel like he's really helped me to process some of my uh, thoughts and my feelings that, that I've been having over you know, the last number of months. But you know, as I, as, as I stand here this morning, I, I think I have some understanding of how Habakkuk must have felt, especially in light of God's answer to Habakkuk's prayer. Notice what he says here in verse 5. Remember, Habakkuk has ultimately asked the question, um, where is God in this situation? And, and just notice God's response here. 
I just love this verse. God says, Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe even if you were told. In other words, Habakkuk, look around you. One translation says, regard the nations. In other words, get out of your little box and get a, get, get a worldview, Habakkuk. Look around you and, and then watch. Uh, don't say anything. Just, just watch and see what I will do. And you will be utterly amazed. It's like God says, look, you, you, you have no idea what I'm doing behind the scenes. In fact, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it anyway. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I like that idea that God is doing much more than I can see or understand. Because in reality, uh, what I can see and understand, well, first of all, it's often rather confusing. Um, and secondly, sometimes I just flat out don't like what I see. I mean, what I see happening isn't what I would choose to happen. But to know, to know that God is doing something much bigger, that his plans and his purposes are, are, are set in light of eternity, that he, has, that he has a much bigger view than I do. To know that God is always preparing us, every one of us, for the next leg of the journey, for what he has for you tomorrow, that there's always that sense of, of preparation. To know that God is doing something in our days that we wouldn't understand even if he was to tell us. Personally, I like that idea. But friends, listen, here's the challenge. What do we do when God's ways just don't make any sense to us? What do we do? I think, first of all, we need to take our questions to God in faith. It's what Habakkuk did here. But here's the second thing. We also need to continue to trust God. Because ultimately, his ways are much different than our ways. Notice what God says here, verse 6. He says, Habakkuk, I'm going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe, even if I told you. Here it is. Here's my plan, Habakkuk. I'm raising up the Babylonians. That's my plan. I'm raising up the Babylonians. You remember that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own? They're a feared and a dreaded people. They're a law to themselves. They promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture, swooping to devour. They all come bent on vengeance. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. And then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose strength is their God. Habakkuk, listen, I'm raising up those guys. That's my plan. Now I'm sure if I was, or I'm sure if Habakkuk uh, was talking to God on the phone at this point, he'd be checking the connection. He'd be like, what was that, God? Did I hear you right? You're doing, you're doing what, God? There's got to be a bad connection here. Because it sounded to me, God, like you said you're raising up 
those wicked Babylonians. I mean, is that what I heard you say, God? Is that your solution? And if it is, then why would you do it that way, God? Why would you do it that way? I just don't understand that. And yet God simply answers, it's, it's all right. You don't need to understand. You just need to trust me with this, Habakkuk. Because you know what? My ways are different than your ways. You see, it's so easy for us to have faith as long as we can make sense out of what God is doing, isn't it? I mean, as long as I can see the plan and this makes sense, I'm walking by faith. That's relatively easy. But, but what about when we can't quite see? Or, or what about when God responds in a way that seems strange to us or surprises us? When he says something like, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. I mean, when what God appears to be doing makes little sense to us, that's when it gets hard, doesn't it? That's when the going becomes difficult. But see, it's in that place where this verse really comes to life. That God is doing something right now in our day that we wouldn't believe even if we were told. Now you couple that idea with Romans 8.28 that says God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. You bring those two thoughts together, friends. If that's the case, God is worthy of our highest confidence. Even in those times when we just don't quite understand what he's doing. Well, as I mentioned earlier and Speaking of this last year in particular, I found some of the challenges of my role here at Heisey Hill to be, in all honesty, a, a, a bit overwhelming. It started as just a couple of days a week, really, initially, but these last few months, um, I'll be candid with you, I've been struggling a fair bit with anxiety and stress and a number of those issues. And as we're supposed to in those situations, um, I've been talking to God about that. And, and I've been in prayer about that, and our family has been praying, and I know a, a number of others who have been praying as well. But for whatever reason, God has chosen not to intervene into that. Now, I'll be honest with you, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You see, I believe with all my heart that God led us here as a family two years ago. We've grown to, to, to love this congregation incredibly. We've developed some meaningful relationships over these last couple of years. And, and so what would make sense to me would be that somehow God would just deal with some of these challenges I've been having and life would carry on as normal. I mean, that would just make sense to me. But you know, Romans 8, 6 says, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. As hard as it is for me to say this, I, 
just haven't been experiencing that life and peace in my role as a senior pastor here for a while. And so I look at that and I say, God, this, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense, what I'm seeing here. And that's why I say I think I can relate to Habakkuk. As God said, I'm raising up the Babylonians. That, it just doesn't make any sense. But obviously, God, you, you have a plan that even though it doesn't make sense to me, it makes sense to you. And so to this congregation that I've grown to love incredibly, I have a letter that I need to read to you this morning. But first of all, I want to say a couple of things um, about what you're going to hear in a minute. Uh, The first one is that uh, this decision that I've made wasn't made in isolation. I've uh, talked it over with several other senior leaders. I've been walking with people that have walked this road before, and it wasn't made in isolation. You need to know that. Uh, Secondly, you need to know that this wasn't a decision that was made in a hurry. I've taken several months to process this. This wasn't something that happened last week. You also need to know that it's not a decision that comes easy for me. I've agonized over this more than you can imagine. I also want you to know that that I love you and I care for you. And I care about how this decision uh, impacts you. In all honesty, that has been one of the heavier burdens for me. How does my decision impact people at Heisey Hill Congregation? How will this affect them spiritually? How will this affect them in their journey? And that's weighed heavy on my heart. I would never want to do anything that would cause somebody to choose to walk away from the faith that would shake their faith in any way. And so I care about how this decision impacts you, every one of you. I really do. But it's also one that I believe with all my heart that is God-led, it's God directed. It's God informed. Doesn't make sense. Might not make sense to you either. But I believe it's God led and it's God directed. And I believe that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, that we are called to follow Him. Every one of us. We are called, Jesus said to his first disciples, come follow me. Every one of us are called to that. And so I believe that means that we continue to walk in obedience to what God is calling us to. Regardless of whatever that is or wherever that is, we need to continue to walk that journey. So that's my heart. So I want to read you a brief letter I wrote this letter to Bishop Darrell Wenger on September the 16th following a meeting I had with him. 
I shared the letter with my staff a week ago Friday. Bishop Darrell shared it with the church board this past Wednesday. And so I want to read it to you, the congregation, this morning. And then I just have a few comments to make at the end. Excuse me. First of all, let me say that I love the Church of Jesus Christ with all my heart. I believe it was created by God for His purposes and His glory. Let us never forget that the church belongs to God and there's no greater privilege on earth than being a part of it, giving toward it, serving in it, attending it. And I'm so thankful for the privilege I've had as senior pastor of Heise Hill Congregation since October the 1st, 2007. I've grown so much in my love for this local body and have developed many lasting relationships. I believe I've also grown greatly in my relationship with the Lord, as I pray that you have as well. Your love and patience and understanding with me as I have further learned the role of pastor has been so much appreciated. I've also greatly appreciated John Cressman's personal coaching and friendship as we have in many ways walked this road together. He's helped me immensely on this journey of discovery. Let me pause for a minute and say, um, part of the reason for that, and part of my reason for confiding in John, is because he was a man that had walked this journey before. And, And I know there's that sense of, why didn't you come talk to me? Whether right or wrong, I, I, I chose to journey that with another person who had been down that road. And as a result of those guiding conversations, both Susan and I have spent much time in prayer and personal reflection. The decision that I'm making today is not one that has been made quickly nor easily. However, I do believe that it is necessary, God-directed, and the best solution for both Susan and I in Heise Hill Church. Through a variety of people speaking into my life, as well as some significant personal indicators, I've come to realize that I haven't been working out of my true area of giftedness. I've slowly come to the conclusion that what Heise Hill needs and what the role of senior pastor requires in this context is something that I'm simply not able to do consistently and effectively over time, while maintaining a sense of joy and peace in the spirit. I believe that's an indicator of a spiritual gift. You can do it well, you can do it effectively, you can do it consistently over a long period of time with a sense of joy and peace in the spirit. That's the definition of God's gift. And I haven't been able to do that. Therefore, I've come to the decision that for my own personal well-being, as well as that of my family. And in the best interests of Heise Hill Church, I need to submit my resignation and ask that my term of service conclude uh, December 31st, 2009. While this decision may come as a shock to many of you and may not fit with human reasoning at this time, I believe we can claim the promise of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Your brother in Christ, Jim Baker. Just a couple of comments. Um, This probably raises a lot of questions in your mind, and I would encourage you to address those questions to me. I want to be as open and as transparent in this process as I can. I also need to say that there's no hidden agenda here, okay? There's not some issue underneath the surface. It's not. The board doesn't know anything more than you know. We're not trying to hide anything. We're not trying to cover up anything. But I've tried to be open with you this morning in sharing my heart. And so I encourage you as you, first of all, take those questions to God, that you come and see me and, and, and talk to me about processing through this. I'm around here for a while yet, till the end of December. It's another 10 weeks, and it's my desire to finish well, to continue to lead the congregation as best I can. I, I believe with all my heart that God has a great plan for Heisey Hill. And, and he, it's like this story in Habakkuk. He, he, he's doing something in our day that, well, we wouldn't believe it, even if he told us. And so we're just going to have to continue to trust him. We trust you, God. This is your church. You're building your church. You have a plan. You had a plan in bringing Jim and Susan here. You've got a plan when they're gone, when they're finished. You've got someone else. And we're just going to continue to to keep going and to continue to press on. We're not going to pull back. We're going to embrace even more. I believe God has a plan for this congregation. So I've asked Harvey Sider if he would just come and close this morning in prayer. Uh, If you would, Harvey, if you would come on up. Um, And then you'll be dismissed this morning. Um, Harvey, would you come? to say something, but when we have uh, emotions running as they are, let me suggest that rather than doing a lot of talking or gossiping or whatever you want to do, that you spend that time in prayer. And I would also suggest that it might be wise to wait a week before you try to engage Pastor Jim in conversation. So let's pray together. Father, we want to acknowledge that a message like this, announcement like this, we don't take lightly. We're saddened and surprised and really don't know what to say. But we thank you that you know our hearts and you feel our hearts and that you are with us this morning. I would pray first of all for Pastor Jim, Susan and the family. Thank you for the ministry that Pastor Jim has 
had at Heise Hill, the great messages that we have heard from him through you. We thank you, Lord, that you will be with them regardless of what that may mean. And so I pray that you will continue to go with them. May the last 10 weeks that they are here be blessed by you and then make them a blessing wherever they may be. I would also pray for the church board, the leadership team. I'm sure this is going to be a challenge for them again. It consumes time, prayer, research, and thought. I'm sure for some it, uh, it's a, a big disappointment. And I would pray that you will give them grace and understanding and uh, move forward under the leadership of your Holy Spirit. I would pray for the congregation. We do need to remember that this is your church. It's not Jim's church. It's no one person's church. We belong to you, and you are the Lord of the church, and you are our leader. Sometimes it's hard to see that and to understand that when we depend on people. But Lord, reinforce that reality in our lives again today. This is your church, and we will move ahead because you are leading us, you are with us, and you have promised to go with us as long as we are here. And so we pray for everyone in this congregation. There are going to be a lot of disappointments. But Father, I pray that you will fill those vacancies, that you will help us together to seek your face, to pray for the board and for the pastoral leadership so that your will might be accomplished. And so while we feel deeply our emotions are running high at this time, we're thankful, Lord, that we can commit everyone here, pastor, the church board, and the congregation to you, because you are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who will lead us through. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>